0: Book Four, Chapter Seven of History of the Reformation in the Sixteenth Century, Volume One by Jean Henri Mel D'Aubigny, translated by Henry Beveridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: Communication to the Legate, Second Appearance, Luther's Declaration, the Legate's Reply, the Legate's Volubility, Luther's Request the next day both parties prepared for the second interview which promised to be decisive the friends of luther who had resolved to accompany him to the legate repaired to the convent of the carmelites the dean of trent and poitinger both councillors of the empire and staupitz arrived in succession shortly after the doctor had the pleasure to see them joined by the chevalier philip von feilich and dr Ruhel, Councillors of the elector, who had been ordered by their master to attend the conferences and protect the liberty of Luther. They had arrived the previous evening and were, says Mathesius, to stand at his side as at Constance the Chevalier de Schlum stood at the side of John Huss. The doctor, moreover, took a notary and accompanied with all these friends proceeded to the legate. At this moment, Staupitz came up to him he thoroughly comprehended luther's situation and knew that if he did not fix his eye solely on the lord who is the deliverer of his people he must succumb my dear brother said he to him seriously constantly remember that you have begun these things in the name of the lord jesus christ thus god surrounded his humble servant with consolation and encouragement Luther, on arriving at the cardinals, found a new opponent. This was the prior of the Dominicans of Augsburg, who was seated at the side of his chief. Luther, agreeably to the resolution which he had formed, had written his reply, and after the usual salutations, with a firm voice, read the following declaration. I declare that I honour the Holy Roman Church, and that I will continue to honour it. I have sought the truth in public discussions, and all that I have said I regard even at this hour as just, true, and Christian. Still, I am a man and may be mistaken. I am therefore disposed to receive instruction and correction in the things in which I may have erred. I declare myself ready to reply, by word of mouth or by writing, to all the objections and all the charges which my Lord the Legate may bring against me. I declare myself ready to submit my theses to the four universities of Basel, Freiburg in Briscow, Louvain, and Paris, and to retract what they declare to be erroneous. In a word, I am ready to do all that may be demanded of a Christian. But I protest solemnly against the course which is sought to be given to this affair, and against the strange pretension of constraining me to retract without having refuted me. Undoubtedly, nothing could be more equitable than these proposals of Luther, and yet they must have been very embarrassing to a judge whose decision had been prescribed to him beforehand. The legate, who had not expected this protestation, sought to conceal his uneasiness by pretending to laugh at it, and, assuming an exterior of gentleness, said to Luther, smiling, "'This protestation is unnecessary.' I will not dispute with you either in public or in private, but I purpose to arrange the affair kindly and like a father. The whole policy of the cardinal consisted in putting aside the strict forms of justice which afford protection to those who are prosecuted, and in treating the affair only as one of administration between superior and inferior, a commodious method inasmuch as it opens up a wide field for arbitrary procedure still maintaining the most affectionate manner my dear friend said de vio abandon i pray you a useless design rather return to yourself acknowledge the truth and i am ready to reconcile you with the church and the sovereign bishop whether you will or not it matters little it will be hard for you to kick against the pricks luther who saw himself treated as if he were already proved a rebellious child rejected of the church exclaimed, "'I cannot retract, but I offer to answer, and in writing. We had enough of debating yesterday.' De Vio was irritated at this expression, which reminded him that he had not acted with sufficient prudence. But he recovered himself, and said with a smile, "'Debating, my dear son, I did not debate with you. I had no wish to debate.' but in order to please the most serene elect of frederick i am willing to hear you and exhort you amicably and paternally luther did not comprehend why the legate should have been so much offended at the expression which he had used for thought he if i had not wished to speak politely i would have said not debated but disputed and wrangled for that was truly what we did Still. De Vio, who felt that before the respectable witnesses who were present at the conference it was at least necessary to seem to try to convince luther to return to the two propositions which he had singled out as fundamental errors thoroughly resolved to let the reformer speak as little as possible strong in his italian volubility he overwhelms him with objections to which he does not wait for a reply sometimes he jests sometimes he scolds he declaims with impassioned heat mixes up the most heterogeneous subjects quotes st thomas and aristotle cries and gets into a passion with all who differ with him in opinion and then apostrophizes luther luther more than ten times tries to speak but the legate instantly interrupts him and showers down menaces upon him retraction retraction is the whole sum of his demand he thunders and domineers, and insists on having all the talk to himself. Staupitz interferes to stop the legate. "'Have the goodness,' says he, "'to give Dr. Martin time to answer.' But the legate recommences his discourse, quotes the extravagance and the opinions of St. Thomas, determined to harangue during the whole interview. If he cannot convince, and if he dares not strike, at least he can stun.' Luther and Staupitz saw clearly that they must abandon the hope not only of enlightening de Vio by discussion, but also of making a useful profession of faith. Luther therefore resumed the request which he had made at the commencement, and which the cardinal had then evaded. Since he was not permitted to speak, he asked that he might at least be allowed to write, and sent his written reply to the legate. Staupitz supported him, several others who were present joined their entreaties, and Cajetan, notwithstanding of all his repugnance for what was written, for he remembered that what is written remains, at last consented. The meeting broke up. The hope of terminating the affair at this interview was adjourned, and it became necessary to await the result of a subsequent conference. The permission which the general of the Dominicans gave Luther to prepare an answer, and to answer in writing the two distinct and articulate accusations which he had made, touching indulgences and faith, was nothing more than justice demanded, and yet we are obliged to do Vio for it, as a mark of moderation and impartiality. Luther left the cardinal's palace, delighted that his request had been granted in going and returning he was the object of public attention. All enlightened men were interested in his case, as if it had been their own, for it was felt that the cause then pleaded at Augsburg was the cause of the gospel, justice, and liberty. The lowest of the people alone were with Cajetan, and of this he doubtless gave some significant hints to the reformer, who afterwards spoke of them it became more and more evident that the legate had no wish to hear any more from luther than the words i retract and these luther was resolved not to pronounce what will be the issue of this unequal struggle how can it be imagined that the whole power of rome brought to bear on a single man will not succeed in crushing him luther sees this Feeling the weight of the terrible hand under which he is placed, he gives up the hope of ever returning to Wittemberg, revisiting his dear Philip, and again finding himself in the midst of the generous youths into whose hearts he loved so much to shed the seeds of life. He sees excommunication hanging over his head, and has no doubt that it must shortly fall upon him. These prospects afflict his soul, but do not overwhelm it. His confidence in God is not shaken. God may break the instrument which he has been pleased till now to employ, but the truth will be maintained. Whatever happens, Luther must defend it to the last. He accordingly begins to prepare the protestation which he is to present to the legate. It appears that he devoted to it part of the thirteenth of October. End of book four, chapter seven.